Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall, um, back on Coming Up for Air, sitting here with my two podcast hosts, Kayla Solomon. How are you, Kayla? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. And Dominique Simone Levine. Hi, Dominique. Hello. It's a beautiful day here in Massachusetts. So I guess today's topic, we're going to be talking about kind of a combination of things I think with shame, conditionality, and I'm hoping that before we really get involved in this conversation, that you can kind of define a couple of those terms for us, Dominique. Can we start off with what do you mean by conditionality? Well, there's this understanding, at least in my experience, of your love is supposed to be unconditional. If it's my child, my love should be unconditional for my child. If it's a relationship, I get to think it more conditional. It's more acceptable for me to think of it as conditional. And I wonder how that drives my expectations around what's fair, how much effort I should put into it, what sort of things I can expect or shouldn't expect, really, my own expectations. And I think it's, it's tied into this, this feeling of shame that I think family members may carry, some of them including myself in moments and and with my own family of they are just driving everybody so crazy that I actually have moments where I I think they would be better off, you name it, gone, even dead. And yet they're my family. I feel like it should be unconditional. You know, it feels strongly that it should be unconditional. And I'm not even talking about that unconditionality, Lori, that you must, and Kayla, you must feel as parents. So am I wrong? Am I wrong that there's a difference? The one thing that I would say is that I think human beings have very high expectations of how we're supposed to be operating. And I think it's complicated because when I think about conditional, we have these moments where I don't think the love goes away. It's more that we are triggered or we're feeling upset and disturbed and overwhelmed And we want that situation to go away. It's easy to feel like we want to throw the person out, but it's really about the situation. That is such a great distinction for me because I'm throwing out the person. And really what I'm having is a set of feelings that got brought on by a situation. And that's what I should be focused on. And again, it goes back to this dynamic of the conditionality and the unconditionality of when there's a situation that doesn't feel acceptable to us or a way that our life is being affected. We want it to stop. Okay. And I think that explains so much of our behavior because that desire to want it to stop puts us in that control position. Like if only you would do this, 
this would work. Let me figure this out. I did this for you. I could go, we all know those things that happened. Like we started having this, these great, wonderful plans in our head that would fix things. And the problem is that when we're talking about other people and their situations, feelings, ways of being, we have absolutely little to no say over what's going to happen with that. And we get hung up in, if only, if only this would go this way, if only this would change, then they would be okay. And ultimately, let's face it, it's then I would feel better. Then I could relax. Then I could feel safe. Then I could be present in my life if I wasn't dealing with all of this distraction. But we don't have control over the other person. Which is also not true. A part of it. Any of it. Like, it's not true that if your loved one was to stop that, you'd be able to just enjoy life and just, and right? It just, it just isn't. Something else is going to come along and disrupt it. And we're going to do it again. We're going to say, oh, this external thing, if this external thing changes, so I'm going to go ahead and fix it so that I don't feel this particular way. And so it isn't true. <laughs> Right. It isn't true that changing that external thing or solving that external thing is going to bring you peace and comfort. And it's not ever. <laughs> so what brings you internal peace and internal change is you working on you. That's it. And also it's you working on dealing with whatever is going on. Well, and that that's a huge topic here because, you know, when you think about conditionality and unconditionality, we're thinking, oh, am I, are my feelings conditional for this person? And I don't see it that way. I think what it's really about is I'm having feelings because this person's behavior is affecting me in my life. And so this is the segue to the shame piece. Kayla, before you go to Shane, can I just finish that thought a little more, which is this is me having a reaction to some unacceptable behavior. And it's not that I'm having a lot of emotion. It's having no emotion. I feel no love for you. I feel like I just need to get away from this. I don't love you. Just go away. And that go away. There's so much banking that goes on and can't you just go away? Can't you just go away? That it becomes a very, very strong negative emotion. And it feels like numbing. It feels like it makes me question, do I love you? What is this that I, I respond with shutdown, with no emotion, with just feeling like I don't feel love for you? It's the other end of your continuum where there's an external reason why, you know, you're feeling a lot of emotion maybe in response. And some of us feel no emotion in those moments. That's really my point here. Which is the same thing. It's just the same thing, whether you're like yelling at somebody or having the, you know, the equivalent to a tantrum or feeling shut down. It's all the same thing. It is a protective device that we use to cope with untenable situations. So it's all the same thing. It's like, okay, you push the button, I explode. That's one of my coping devices. And again, it's like, if you look at adaptations, you're adapting to difficult situations and we all have different ones and that's where our defenses come in. So it's, it's hide, run, freeze, fight. And there's others also. Fawn is another one somebody came up with, which is like, oh, are you okay? Do you need this? Blah, blah, blah. So it's to like shift the dynamics so that you could get that person to do what you want. But it's all adaptations to difficult emotions and difficult situations so that we feel like we could cope with them. 
And I'm going to say this. This is the quick fix. We all want the quick fix for difficult feelings, whether it's extreme feelings where we're going to explode or whether it's a way to avoid that. Because that's what I hear when you when you talk about shutting down and not feeling something. It's a way to avoid difficult feelings. And that's how we often respond to very tense, difficult situations. We will do anything. And my husband and I talk about this all the time that isn't that just what life is? All life is everybody's trying to feel better every moment of every day. And if you find some way of shutting down difficult emotions and feelings, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you do it? But it also, you're going to laugh at this, it also reminds me very much of a functional analysis, again, only now the positive and the negative consequences, because the negative consequences of shutting down your emotions and your feelings in that particular moment so that you don't feel things that are so difficult, the negative consequences is it leads to a large amount of shame and really, really tough feelings and tough emotions. So when you're talking about that, Dominique, when you start talking about how just go away, just maybe if they just passed, which I have heard, I've heard families say that because they're just so overwhelmed. And I try really hard to say, no, no, we all have thoughts, similar thoughts like that, right? That that's not an uncommon thing under these really intense, stressful situations, but it often leads to this, I shouldn't think, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I I went there. So this is why I think when we talk about conditionality and unconditionality, how that stuff can lead us down a path of the family member and the ally experiencing shame. Boy, is substance use disorder a, an illness of shame, huh? That's the main dynamic. You know, I don't know if we're ready to go to the shame yet, but if this is a good segue, basically the way I define shame personally is it's a character assassination. Guilt is in response to a particular stimulus that you feel bad about, but shame basically annihilates your whole being. It's all about you. It's personal. It's not about an activity or a behavior. It's personal. You're basically taking your whole self down. There's something terribly wrong or broken about you if you have shame. And so, of course, if you have any kind of trauma, shame is a package deal with trauma. When we look at trauma, much of trauma comes from early childhood. And then, of course, there's later on situational trauma, but lots of people carrying around trauma from their childhood. If you're a loved one of somebody who has substance use issues, then you have trauma from their, their situation. And it becomes repetitive trauma if they keep doing the same thing over and over again and you keep being pulled to the brink of their possible demise or death and you keep getting pulled into that. So that creates its own sense of trauma. And this is the interesting thing about shame. If you think about shame, so many times what we talk about in our groups is how every, you know, you get together with a group of people and people are saying, well, my kid's going off to college or they got this great job or they got a promotion. And then here you have this loved one that is doing all kinds of things that not only are not that successful, but they're absolutely devastating. 
And who do you share this with? When people are checking in about their family, how much do you actually disclose? And then the person with the substance use issues, they have their own shame. So often the substance abuse comes from trying to cover up the shame and deal with it. But then what happens is their behavior creates this shame cycle. They try to fix the shame by doing something to cut themselves off from their feelings. And then they feel ashamed about the behavior. And it certainly happens if anybody has gotten clean or gotten sober and been in recovery for any period of time, when they relapse, there's tremendous shame involved. And that's one of the reasons that people have such a hard time getting clean because the shame is so close to the surface and it's this go-to. And shame is this absolutely immobilizing, annihilating emotion because what it does is it absolutely takes away all kinds of ability to process because it's so, it's like bathing in a negative emotion. And you can see how actually those negative consequences for the family member, if the family member now experiences long-term shame and guilt, the immediate or the that short-term positive consequence of shutting down is this relief from the situation, right? You don't have to experience those negative feelings, but that wears off and you end up with these negative consequences that are a lot more long-term guilt and shame, you can see how the guilt and shame then feeds back to internal triggers to continue your behavior. So now I'm feeling guilt and shame. I should never have thought that about my loved one. How could I be a good mother and think that about my son? It just feeds into the anxiety, the guilt, the shame, so that when it comes up again, I'm going to behave the same way so that I don't have those feelings, right? I'm going to shut them down because it's easy. It's quick. It's a quick fix. It's easy. And now I'm just continuing the cycle. I think what you're describing is anytime there are feelings, emotions suppressed, they are festering inside of you. It's basically like having an untreated infection. And so Believe me, I love cutting off. That's my go-to tool. It's my favorite. For those of us who use this particular tool, it'll be look very functional. We Something happens and we plow through like bulldozers. And I used to think, wow, this is great. You know, I could handle anything. And then what happens is that it's not that my feelings are not there. It's just that they're in there festering in the pool of disgustingness. And so when... When the time comes and something unleashes me, then I am insane, okay? And everything that comes out of my mouth at this moment sounds like bile, it's negative, it's nasty, it's angry, it's resentful, and it's intense. Which is the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, but that's what happens. And so for those people who have the other tools of letting things out frequently, it's actually a good tool. Because if you're letting it out, then it's not festering. The work that we're trying to do is that you're not going to just manage and cope and bury it. It's what are positive ways to release it so that it's not festering inside of you and you get to be a more productive version of yourself. But what happens is you need to have awareness of these issues of, you know, where is your shame? What's the conditionality look like to you? 
what can the does the other person do that makes you feel less loved for them or makes you feel cut off from them? And the more you have awareness of that, the more you can put a name to it and not have to make that this gigantic truth. It just is. It's just something to notice and not necessarily react to. Because my version of health is this more pulsating energy. It's in, out, in, out, in, out. And if you can see my hands right now, it's basically, I think people think that either they want to have a straight line, like everything's okay all the time, or everything's great all the time, another line. And that's not how life works. Life goes up and down, in and out. It's all over the place. So our job is to not judge any particular state. It's to notice it, to be aware of it, to in some ways claim it. Like, you know, I my expression from my childhood is I'm going to kill you. And, you know, that can sound a little judgmental and a little unconditional in terms of love. But really what it is, is it's an expression of my level of frustration. It's an expression of my level of hurt or disruption or not knowing what to do. And so if I can claim that and my awareness of that, then I don't have to judge myself so terribly for having those evil thoughts or just that negative reactivity. What you just described, Kayla, is something that I call white knuckling. So I feel like our loved ones white knuckle, like through the first year of going into recovery, right? They really hold it together, hold it together. Just don't use, just don't use. I feel it's the same for family members that we white knuckle it. If I can keep my emotions from going too high, if I can just keep them level, then then when they drop, they don't have far to go. <laughs> but but I really I see it a lot. Family members are just they're white knuckling. Just hold on. Just don't feel. Don't feel. Don't feel. And actually, it's so important to actually feel it. Feel the difficult feelings, feel the positive feelings and acknowledge it. Start acknowledging and validating because there's some reason why we're supposed to feel those feelings. There's some reason for it. Because it's life. Yeah. And we're alive. And, you know, it just made me think about expectations, which I think was part of this discussion where your expectation is going to have a direct correlation with how you're going to react to things. You know, if your person goes into treatment and all of a sudden you're like, Woo-hoo, OK, I succeeded. The person's in treatment. OK, make sure you have a trampoline underneath you because you're going to be dropping like a rock after this, because that's not how it works. It works that what information do you have? The person went into treatment, period. End of story. Is this the end of the story for that person? Absolutely not. It is just one piece of the stretch, the only information that you have. And the rest of it is, you don't know. And part of why this is such a hard process is we're operating in the realm of, I have no idea most of the time. Right. And that's why we want you focused on the present and in craft work. And there's no point in, in holding on to a hard feeling that came out two weeks ago because your loved one started to use. And there's no point in saying, you know, he's never going to stop. There's a point right now in which you can do something, which is observe, understand what you're seeing to the best of your ability and, and respond in a way that creates that bridge and connects and helps rather than hinders his ability to see what's going on when it comes to drugs and alcohol and 
and to take a little bit more responsibility, you know, just a little bit more today, maybe. Do you think there's different aspects of conditionality and unconditionality with like mom and dad versus a married couple or versus siblings? Is there, is there like differences within there? And I'm even talking, you know, mom and dad of an adult child. Do you think there is differences? I definitely see differences in which parents of adult children, especially have this deep belief that they have to hang on and that anything has to be okay because it's my son. And then they have these moments where they feel nothing or they feel all these things and it's a disconnection. It's a lack of love towards their loved one. And, and that's just extraordinarily painful. I think as a significant other, I get to have a, a little bit, I mean, I can get caught up in my love relationship as good as the next person. Trust me, it's been a lot of years drinking at it, but it's become you know, a point where I, I have more conditionality. I accept that. And, you know, I try to find what's reasonable and healthy and, and I'll walk away and it won't be just to freeze out bad feelings, you know? So I find there's less shame potentially building in that kind of give and take than I would as the parent of a child. I feel for you. I have other family members and I know how it feels, but I don't quite know what it's like to parent. I mean, but that's the interesting thing about the word conditional, because, you know, when I think about conditional, it doesn't mean accepting any kind of terrible behavior. And that's the thing that we need to keep in mind here, you know, because I feel like if somebody's behaving badly, you need to take care of yourself. You need to have limits and boundaries and make sure that you're not getting sucked into their undertow. And I know that this is the hardest part of working this program, whether it's your partner or your child. And if it's your child, it's very hard because you feel like, you know, there's this additional layer of I'm supposed to be responsible for this person, which is interesting when we think about adults, because how real is that? You know, it's like, it's certainly true when you have a minor child, but with an adult child, it's hardwired, but it's also impossible you know, like here you're in charge of this other adult that you have could be anywhere and you don't know what they're doing, but you're still in charge of making sure they're OK. I think there's huge social structures in place that make parents believe that they're supposed to love their loved one, their child, even in adulthood, unconditionally. But if you really think about it, isn't the goal of parenting, the goal is to help your loved one learn independent of you. It's not to keep them with you solving all their problems all the time. But I mean, really, if you think about society, I just think about all these little things in society where families get blamed all the time for their loved one's behavior, which all leads back to this shame and guilt and then even when we are talking about adult children, you hear things like, well, I'm your mother and I will always be your mother. And you could be 15, you could be 60. What does that mean? <laughs> does that mean I'm still going to make you sandwiches every day? Does that mean like, what does that mean? And how difficult it must be for families to really find those lines, find those distinct lines of where conditionality lies. And I think that this is where the whole boundary piece and learning healthy, effective boundaries and why they're so important is such an important piece for family members to kind of understand. And I'm talking about 
parents in particular. I do think that couples can fall into, especially with substance use and maybe somewhat with um, like mental health issues and maybe with other chronic illnesses as well. But I do think that there are situations with partners where people start to become the caretaker or almost like the mom or the dad and conditionality and unconditionality kind of the lines then become a little blurred. But I find that with couples, it's much easier to say, oh, no, no, you're an individual. You're coming into this relationship with a level of equality versus parents and children, even adult children. So this is feels like a good place to finish. And basically the way I would think of this is we're talking about conditionality and unconditionality. And I'm going to say this one again, because I think it's important. The love is not conditional. That does not change. But how you react, what expectations you have, and then what is realistic is where the conditions need to be modified because there needs to be conditions for people's behavior. That's just life. Okay. You don't get to just do whatever you want, no matter how many issues you're juggling with. There are, there are edges that you come to where you must stop what you're doing. So the conditionality goes back to the boundary issue, but the, the love doesn't change, whether it's a spouse or whatever, like you, I guess, you know, if you break up with somebody, you could end your love with them, but there's always something there. Even if you are, it's over with that person, there's some kind of feeling, but with your family members, the love doesn't have to change, but you get to have a conditional situation when it comes to behavior, not love. And now I want us to be really clear about that, that you don't have to not love the person to have conditions. And the conditions just are really what you're working on in terms of setting things up in a functional kind of way for you and the other person. And that's what the conditions are. Thank you for that. And and I'd also like to say one other thing, just one other piece. I really, really want family members to know that if you're having these really deep thoughts and ideas of, I wish they would just go away, or I wish that they were dead or that that doesn't mean that you don't love them. All it is, is a protective mechanism to try and make these difficult feelings kind of go away. I want to throw that out there just to make sure that everybody that's listening understands what we're talking about. So thank you for that summary, Kayla. And I just want to remind our listeners that right now on the Allies in Recovery website, we're offering up a wonderful special It's a 10-day challenge where you do half of the modules on the e-learning center and you will qualify for a training, a five-hour training that's worth about $250. So if you have the chance, go and check it out and see if it's something you think you can accomplish and join us in one of the trainings. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.